Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada. Um, we're here in the uh, Ada Fruit Remote headquarters, um, and we're going to be doing a 30-minute show and tell with people from around the maker community to see what they're up to, what are they making in 3D printing and turning into drone synths and more. We've got a bunch of people from the Adafruit uh, yeah. Engineering Club here. It's also everyone's chance to, to meet some of the people who probably write the code or make the, the projects that uh, a lot of you use. Um, yeah. so, you know, sometimes you just see a name on a guide. Um, or commit. Who is that person? Yeah, how did this get here? How lovely are there? Yeah. We're going to find out. And, uh, you know, a lot of the code that runs a lot of the, the projects out there, um, some of the people here. Reza, say hello. Um, let's uh, start off with uh, Jepler. Yes, but other people are welcome. Come by uh, yeah. Discord. Yeah, we have the link in the Discord. Link, the link to Discord. Uh, link to the whereby in Discord. What you doing? Yeah. Hey there. And what's new, Jepler? So this is the, I, I won't get the name right. It's the USB host feather wing or something along those lines with the feather RP2040. Wings go on. Yeah, top. it's a feather, not a feather wing because it's like running CircuitPython and everything in this case. And yeah, so I've got a wireless keyboard plugged in um, to it. And cool. if you bring my screen share back, I'll show you what I'm working on. So Scott loves to create different workflows for CircuitPython. We have the original with uh, the USB with the CircuitPy drive and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And so we're kicking around the idea of what if there was a workflow that didn't require a computer at all? So I've got here the, the wireless keyboard that goes with it that's plugged in. And I'm showing the, the uh, serial terminal on my computer. But imagine this is like a display IoTFT, or maybe you're using another coprocessor board to make it DVI. And so I can go in and open up one of the Python files on my disk and scroll through it just like a text editor. This is like nano, but even more basic. So like if I didn't like this line, I could comment it out. And then when I'm done, I can go back to my file chooser. And uh, so I have to give a shout out to somebody on GitHub, uh, Wasim Lorgat, who is CM on GitHub. They wrote this uh, text editor in just like a few pages of Python code. And it uses the standard library called curses to talk to the terminal. And I implemented a version of it called dang that talks to the CircuitPython terminal using ANSI escape codes. And anyway, so that's what I'm up to someday. And like dang maybe. is with a lightweight curse. Right, that's okay. kind of the idea. Okay. Yeah, everybody, like I've, I found somebody who called their version Cuss and it's like, you gotta have a, a cute name because Curses is a cute name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like a screen editor in about six pages of code that does all the basics. And, you know, maybe we'll elaborate on it or maybe we'll just say, here you go. But yeah. someday, CircuitPython without a host computer to edit and run your Python scripts. And this I like how we're, we're just we're getting close to the the goal, which is the Coco two or Apple two mm. GS of uh, embedded microcontrollers is coming. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of inspired to do this by my Run CPM project, which was recent, that created a vintage emulated system with the keyboard and a display built in and no host computer. And it's like, well, that would be even better with CircuitPython because you'd rather write Python code than Z80 Assembler by yeah. a long shot. You know, one of the goals that we're talking about this on another show is starting off with like a CircuitPython powered ruler and then working your way up to like a calculator or like a little keyboard and then eventually a full blown standalone computer. But you know, you need tools to do some mm -hmm. editing and, and code and eventually it'd be nice to not have a computer connect at all. So this is one one step 
cluster. Dang, this Indeed. is a cool project. <laughs> Can I put in one request, uh, Jeff, just because I know that this 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 has always bitten me. Can you have tabs displayed with like maybe a little arrow oh. key or something? I don't know about that. I mean, we're a little limited in terms of what the display I/O terminal can do. So, yeah. like, there's no ability to show a faint time. arrow. Oh. But we'll we'll maybe figure out something yeah. because. The other thing it might do is just not let you type in tab characters ever at all. Okay. okay. <laughs> Dang. Um, I sure didn't test that. It might not work. Don't. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much. Right, that was so a cool project. Uh, have a good night. Thanks for this. This. I'm so excited about this board because we're going to do so many things with it. That yeah. We're um, and yeah. It was a huge collaborative effort. I mean, like almost everybody on the Adafruit team, uh, you know, is making this happen. And. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I was excited to, you know, the funny is the USB host stuff, originally, I kind of pushed for it to be ported to the RP2040. Yes, to do it in, in CircuitPython, but I really need it for my tester boards because the yeah. TT 3.6 is basically just- We couldn't get any, and we were using it for all of our testers for a long time. We're like, what are we gonna so do? So I was like, I need another device that has built-in USB host, and it's, it's inexpensive and is durable. And so, you know, the RP2040 chip was kind of the only thing available. Um, and that's what kind of made me like excited when I saw the PIO port right. of USB host. So it's like, you know, we do things for internal uses, but then that work ends up kind of um, trickling down into um, yeah. the general computing. And it must be pretty robust in practice if it's good enough for the testers. It's, yeah, I mean, we really like, we, and the thing is we got so many bugs, so I was like, okay, I'm testing it against so many different chipsets and mm -hmm. mass storage we got working and CDC obviously and HID. Yeah. So um, it's, it's kind of neat. It's like something that I want ends up being something that other people want. Yeah, we 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 would love to add all those things into CircuitPython, but it'll take a while. We'll yeah, see how that goes. I can't wait. That'll to be CircuitPython nine, maybe about USB. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that, you know, what we should really do is get it working with those USB uh, floppy drives, and we'll we'll be able to load CircuitPython. Oh. <laughs> 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 load my CircuitPython code from a floppy would be kind of cool. All right. Well, I'll let you get on to other folks, but okay, uh, yes. good to hang out with you a bit tonight. Thanks, Jeff Blair. Right, right, next up, speaking of Scott, Scott what you got going on? Uh, I'm so excited about what Jeff is working on, let me tell you. Um, so I'm uh, also working on USB host, and I think I showed it last week that I'm working on the IntelliKeys. Um, and I was just getting my demo going, and, and I got this crash. So I thought I'd show the crash instead of just showing it working. Um, but what has happened here is that there's some assert in deep in the C code of CircuitPython that's been violated. And, and completely halted my de demo. But what I was going to show is that, um, and when you and I had talked about this, is that we were, uh, you said it was it was hard to do the IntelliKeys because it re-enumerates. So the IntelliKeys doesn't store its firmware. You load it every time that you talk to it. Um, so here what you can see is that we find the device uh, with the PID where it hasn't been loaded, and we successfully load it. And then I just had that there's a sleep here that's two seconds, and then it, when I list the devices again, it comes up and it did work. So if I scroll up, um, you can see that what I was playing with was um, reading uh, just some string descriptors. So using a, a USB control call to read the string descriptors. So we can see that both the manufacturer and the product name here um, that's being read from CircuitPython. And one kind of neat thing is the way that the code is written is um, it 
it does the list and then it sees if it needs to load the firmware and it or if it doesn't. So you can actually see here that uh, we we saw that we didn't need to to load the firmware again, so we didn't. Um, and so if we have time, uh, I'm just gonna unplug it and plug it back in and see what happens. <laughs> okay. And how's the speed? Because I know you were you were working on. It, it's pretty quick now. Um, okay. Oh. And I hit the failure again. <laughs> oh, but you know what? Good way to break. Okay, that's good to know though, because I, I was tr I was just trying to. Um, well, I, I crashed it hard. Anyway, I, I have an idea what it is because I was I was adding a third descriptor load that was the actual device descriptor, and I must be causing an error that I've not caused before. Yeah. Um, and now yeah. I'm getting getting this assertion failure. So I'm working on that. Um, uh, and I'm excited to see that it does work with the re-enumeration of the IntelliKeys. Okay, cool. All right, and then um, before we go, uh, special thanks to Scott had recommended this kid toy um, mm -hmm. like a month after we had a kid, and yep. I, I found the email, and I'm like, this is cool. Why aren't we hacking this and turning this into something with Wi-Fi and CircuitPython and music? So we're going to mm -hmm. show this off on ask an engineer tonight, but door to door about six months. Um, it's, I have a green screen, so, you know, it's all <laughs> yeah, hollow man. Um, right. This is a uh, Wi-Fi enabled kid toy. Uh, you can put new songs on it. And uh, we think this is gonna be a fun development board. So um, kind of neat to see all of our creations go into different places, different form factors, different things. Yeah. So, um, like, yeah, and gotta, gotta thank like my to sister. Different places. <laughs> Yeah, got it. Yeah, the web workflow is gonna gonna get some polish. Yeah, uh, but thanks to my sister who got uh, that toy for Ari. My, my kid Apparently, Ari. these are standard issue. I was talking to someone. They're like, "Oh, I have two of these. I don't know where they came from." <laughs> they're, so they're, they're a common. Um, yeah, a baby shower. So the first thing, like ten bucks. The first thing is, oh wow, I have those. By the way, do you know any way to change the sounds? <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Okay. I was happy there was two volume levels. There is. We kept that. Yeah. Wait. yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. All right, JP, what you got going on? Hey, it is uh, Blade Runner time here is what I've got going on. It is Blade Runner time. And it's time to put up Halloween decorations. <laughs> That's right. We're ready. Uh, so a lot of you recognize this is the giant building, the Terrell building from Blade Runner. Uh, and what I did was I we had this idea of taking a uh, dystopian drone synth that Todd Kurt had designed, uh, had written the code for in... Circuit Python using SynthIO to just create these big sort of uh, detuned, fat-sounding synth pads, uh, reminiscent of Blade Runner and other soundtracks of that era, and uh, design it inside of an enclosure that is based on the Terrell building. So I got excited about this on uh, Monday. I just gotten back from vacation, so I built this model uh, to house it inside of uh, Rhino. 3D printed it out. And I have a second version in the works right now. But what I've done is I've, I've added some uh, copper strips right now to act as capacitive touch pads to adjust parameters of the synth. So what I'll do is I'm going to turn up the volume so you can hear it. I have it plugged into some powered speakers, and I can show you what it's, uh, what it's running on underneath. Uh, and when I hit the, the copper pads, it'll adjust the um, uh, transposition of the, of the keys that it's playing.
You should take a vaping and like blow some smoke into it. And, like, we should just wait till the uh, the wildfires start hitting yeah. California. You could do like outside. a very cool mini movie with this. Yeah, I like the. Uh, I, I brought in some extra little lighting on the side yeah. here. So could do is some. that a is that Blade Runner for ants? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my iphone as the uh the one uh, that looks great this yeah, is really cool it. yeah you should you should put a uh, like put a iphone on like a little hot wheels or something and just like yes. roll it forward and like do your yeah, own little truck in on it uh yeah. so there you can see I've, I'll, I'll show this on my show tomorrow in more depth but i've got a little uh circuit here using a cutie pie and our little trs s breakout uh all happening inside of circuit python synth io which is kind of mind-blowing and I was even able to use, uh, I've used just about every pin. I think I have a spare or two, but I've got eight of those acting as capacitive touch. Uh, and I've got plans right now. They're all doing the exact same thing, but I've got some plans for uh, little pairs of these that'll adjust synth parameters. That's cool. All right. Thanks so much, Jay. See sure you tomorrow thing. on your show. Yeah, come on by. Okay. We're going to go to Aaron, and then we're going to go to Liz then Mouse and Tim, and then Brennan, and then Andrew. So we got a full house tonight, so we'll try to move along as quickly as we can. Aaron, let's go on. Quick, quick. So I've just uh, been working on this dress, which is built on the Ooze Master 3000 code. I'm going to back up a little so you can kind of see. Oh, neat. And uh, right now it has uh, a bunch of lights in it, obviously, that are uh, running seven different drips all around the dress. Um, Eventually, it's also going to have a little drip splat at the bottom so that the, the drips actually are going to land. Uh, it's a really cool code. Oh, it's based on uh, Phil B's Ooze Master 3000 code, which he's been using for Halloween projects and dripping skulls and oozes and stuff like that. And I wanted to make something real elegant with it. And I think I succeeded. I so love it. This is great. Uh, wow. And then I got a button right over here where if I hit it, then it will go into carry mode where it suddenly starts dripping blood everywhere. So, so yeah, I'm working on this and I am writing it up this week. So I'm going to have a kind of just a high level tutorial about how I made this up in the Adafruit running system. Um, if you, if you remember, can you send, can you send me a, a, a TikTok formatted video for, you know, there's always the TikToks like, what's the fit? And like, you know, you kind of like do the little. New pixels. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember. Be kind of cool. Absolutely. Well, it looks great. Um, I, I love how it's like a little bit of a joke on the wet look. You know, there's like wet look dresses. So it's kind of funny. It's like, okay, this is wet, wet, wet look. You know, um, someone's going to make one of these and go to that cool giant Las Vegas LED ball and stand in front of like, you have to ma matchy matchy now. Hmm. Building has to be LEDs and dress has to be LEDs. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. All right, thanks so much. All right, Liz, what you got going on? Hello. Uh, I have something super simple and quick. Uh, so I've been working on the quad rotary encoder breakout, and uh, it has a NeoPixel underneath, but the clear uh, rotary encoder is really hard to find. So I just 3D printed um, a little uh, kind of riser for the encoder so that they can still solder in, and then you can still diffuse the NeoPixels so you can see all the colors still. Uh, so my workout project with it, um, still be able to see the colors. Uh, so just a quick little thing. Yeah, we just got these in the store too. So. Yeah. Very I know. Cool. I got to find those clearing shafts. It's just, it's a bit of a thing. But oh, yeah. No, totally. So, uh, this is like a little, like, a good, a good intermediate hack. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, All I'll right. share the model up if folks are interested for their own. Thanks, Liz. So. All right. Thank you. Okay. Liz. A bunch of folks came in okay, after good. we started. So, Mouse, show off your rack. What rack. you got going on? Whoops. Wait, that's Tim. Hold on. I've got it. 
Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, I'm going to play something on my synth, see if you can hear it. Did that come through? Yeah. Okay. So this is a um, this is my module of synth I've been working on for a long time. A little while ago, I showed off a prototype of a, a digital FM module based on a FederRP2040, and uh, I have the final sort of hardware here. It can do different sounds. Um, and uh, uh, you've got the light up. Cables. Yeah, uh, I got one of this is glowy patch cables there. Um, and uh, so I'm going to show you the hardware. Just a sec. Do you want me to take the screen off and just go to the? Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the, that, the screen is my patch editing software, which I probably won't show because you've got a lot of people on today. Yeah. We'll come back uh, next week. All right. Okay, yeah, I'll show it up next time. Yeah. Okay, so this is, there we go. Uh, so I, use, I ended up using a, a, a keyboard instead of a feather because it's smaller. And uh, just a couple op amps and a um, DDA converter. And I've got all the, all the controls mounted here. Uh, the... USB connection's a bit uh, janky because I didn't know if I could. I, I didn't put it on the front panel because I didn't know if I could run the USB signals through these uh, through a regular right. header connector. So I just uh, just put a little right angle thingy on the thing. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, so I've been working. <laughs> I've been working on it for a long time, and it's still not entirely finished. But uh, it's it's getting to the point where it might almost might almost be done. So. This is great. Yay. Would you mind animation around to the end of the show and play us out with some music? Uh, okay. Okay. So we'll keep going, and then you know, come back and show the interface. You know, we're here every week, but yeah, uh, yeah. If, yeah. You, if you don't mind, um, stick around because sometimes we have a, a musical guest to play us out. So if, okay. Okay. All right, Mouse. We'll be. We'll see you in just a few moments. All right, Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. I have uh, two things I'll show real quick. One of them is a preview oh. for some uh, upcoming stuff that I want to, that I've been working on that I want to uh, do for some text embellishments. So I have three rows of text here. The bottom two are the two that you can do easily today with the display text library. Uh, and then the top one is the one that I've been tinkering on. Um, and I have a PR with some bitmap uh, manipulation over in the core that makes it nice and fast. And this gives us the ability to make uh, a bitmap uh, dilate or grow a little bit, uh, or I should say a shape within a bitmap. And then in this case, we can uh, make it grow and then change the color of the part that has grown so that it will look like an outline. And we can, of course, do that around text. So we can have custom text with uh, outline colors. Um, right now, it's pretty gnarly. It's all just hard coded in this like uh, super high level function that's just kind of doing everything. But I am definitely planning to try to make it easy to reuse and make a special new type of label uh, so that other people can do this and set it up much easier uh, mm -hmm. than the code that I have with it right now. Um, so that's the first thing. Keep an eye out on the display text library for that uh, if you're interested. And then the other one is a super quick one that I'll just show the demo of real fast. Mm -hmm. uh, for the 4th of July here in the US, I was just playing with the matrix portal a bit. Uh, and I whipped up this little sort of firework animation where it just draws a couple of bitmap pixels and then animates it to do this little explosion effect here. So it's cute. Uh, oh, cool. Not too much on it, but that was something that I was hacking around with on uh, the fourth yesterday. Um, 
which was fun. So I thought I'd try that too. All right. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, for folks who want to tune in, so every Friday there's a deep dive and then you sometimes do a weekend thing. They're fantastic. Yep. I put them on in the background and and uh, listen and watch as I'm doing other things because the innards of CircuitPython, it's, it's literally a deep dive. Yep. Uh, so that's coming up this Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then you also have... Um, I think it's every couple of weeks at Circuit Saturday Python. morning, so I Saturday usually stream uh, as well. Yep, you can find that on the Discord as well. If you hit up the live broadcast channel, uh, I post links in there when I get going on the weekends. All right. Okay, well, thank yeah. you so much, Sam. That's very cool. For sure. Yep, thank you. See ya. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Brandon, then Andrew, then we're going to have Mouse play us up. Brandon, Brandon how are you, are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot of color these days. Oh, that's um, great. Um, that I'm not talking about color tonight. It's really interesting that that your rotary encoder, the idea of 3D printing an element under it. Last weekend, I laser cut this little disc for the exact same purpose. Ooh. And so um, it's 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 two millimeters thick, and it actually works pretty well. Um, though, Lady Ada, I do have a beat on rotary encoders with clear shaft for underlight, but I can't find one that also has a push button. So it's either an either or. I yeah. can I. Top yeah. ones are, they don't have a switch, but also top is incredibly hard to get them to sell me stuff. They just kind of don't reply to emails. Well, I've got, I've got a thousand coming in. So we can, <laughs> um, so, um, so what all of these items are, um, it's sort of like Seesaw on steroids. So these are all I2C uh, user interface devices, but instead of having a low level interface, they all have a very high level interface. So like this one over here is NeoPixels but it, um, you can configure it with various colors and then it takes it just takes two values and you can set um, if you want to use it for vu type things you can have a, an attack decay so like if i if i give this see it'll, it'll just it'll and it kind of zooms in and zooms out yeah um and then i can i can also control what color it is so i can make it any color i want or i can go back to vu mode so that's a a pair of it's 20 leds um, and it just, like I said, once you've, once you've sent it a couple of commands to configure it, you send it just two values. All I have to do every time you send it two values, it just updates. Neat. Um, the next one over is, uh, two touch devices. So this is a, a touch circle. And so it gives you a continuous value, even though it's, it's a touch, it'll give you a, a continuous value between zero and 255 or zero and 360, whatever you want to set it up for. And then the top one gives you an X and a Y. Um, and again, it gives you continuous values. So this uses three touch sensors that are all interwoven. And this one uses six across and six down that are all interwoven. And so you can get all sorts of really interesting value data out of that one. Um, rotary encoder, you probably have figured that one out already. Um, yeah. And uh, then of course the keypad and the keypad outputs the exact same thing that the um, the keyboard or keypad from um, uh, CircuitPython does. So it, it just simply outputs a key value and a press or a, or a release. And you can set colors for the buttons if you want, or you can just set them all the same. I've got the bottom row at red. Um, and then the top ones are displays, and they support a few different modes. So this is a menu mode. And so while it's in menu mode, it's actually not sending any data back and forth to the host. But when you select, when you hit the select button, it records that, and then the host can simply say, "What's the current selected menu item?" 
and it'll and it'll give you that information back. So it'll do all that on its own. And then the bar graph one you can see here, um, it just it just simply takes a bar number and a value, and it will reset itself and just keep painting it. So again, all you're doing in the bar graph is you're sending it bar number two, a value of a hundred, bar number one, and so. Um, it's really, really responsive and it looks really kind of cool, but you don't, there's not a lot of data going over I2C. So, this and like, awesome. yeah, nice work with this stuff. And, and as you probably can tell, they're all using an AT tiny 1616. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's available. You can buy it. And it's, yeah. actually, it's like the core for the Arduino core, which is what I'm using works very well. And like, you know, the I2C, um, controller peripheral code, um, works great for it. And I've had. I mean, it's, you know, you want to run it at 20 megahertz, but it's, um, I've really enjoyed porting all the SAMD09 stuff to yep. this chip, which is three or five volt compatible and, uh, you know, has good support and is purchasable. Yep. Um, I actually went a slightly different route. So you may remember I talked about the little uh, ACK1, which is uh, an AVR programming module for a programming course. And it teaches basic AVR programming with just the, you know, the, the AVR register code and stuff like yeah. that. All of this is the 102 level course. Um, and so the advantage is like the rotary encoder, it's like 3K of firmware. Yeah. The touch panel is like two and a half. The Ineo Pixel is like 3K of firmware. The only one that's really big is the display because of the graphics drivers and all the text and buffering that it does. That's uh, seven and a half K. <laughs> yeah. I'm, right. I, look, hey, I've got 16K of space available, so I'm lazy. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not worried about 16K either. It's well, like, it's pretty much. Coming back as this evolves, I know, um, you know, we see this on the socials too. If you want to put a link in yeah. Discord to where people can find out more, but I, I know you're still working on this. Come back in. Uh, this is cool. I love it. And yeah. show it as, as you continue to work on it. Yeah, right. tons of tons of documentation because I that's the thing that to make this stuff really usable and people to understand not only the code side, but then the usage side of it. Um, it all it all has a lot of documentation. So that's my big thing right now. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank cool. you. Keep yeah. going. All right. We're going to go fire. to Andrew, and then Mouse is going to play us out. Andrew, what you got going on? Hey, hi. I got the uh, an e-ink, the 2.9 inch, yeah. uh, and I've got it hooked up with an ESP32 uh, S2. Doing environmental sensing, I've got an SCD40, so the CO2 level is the big number. And then I've got uh, the BMP280, so that's doing the temperature and humidity. I'm pulling out a request uh, call to do the, doing a little XML parsing to get the little numbers, which are the outdoor temperature. Yeah. I can see and you're high uh, up. Are you really 700 meters above sea level? Yeah, I'm in the mountains. So That, that mountain is behind you. It's true. This is real. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> and the one cool thing is that I actually had my very first pull request uh, merged into the BMP280 library. Yay. So thank, thank you to uh, Carter Nelson. Um, I added the ability to add a uh, altitude setter. So I can just say I'm 700 meters and then all of the calculations for the changes in uh, barometric pressure get actually changed, not in altitude, but actually into uh, uh. actual barometric pressure. So that's what I'm working on. It's I'll get a little 150 um, using deep sleep. I learned tons of display IO, um, the bounding box. This is extremely useful. It is actually and outside it only go as low as about 600 up here. So oh, you probably do we calibrate it then there's a calibration for the SC. Well, the SCD 30 doesn't recalibrate. It should be 400 outside unless there's something really weird going on. 
it also has a altitude setter as well. So uh, the SC. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. that as well. But anyway, I just wanted to okay. show that off. That's kind of what I'm doodling right. on. And, this is uh, really cool. Congrats on your pull request and everything. Yay! Yay. You can make a display more. that has your your number of GitHub stars and pull I know, requests. That's as a link. <laughs> All right, thanks, Andrew. All right, thank, thank you very you. much. And All just right. in time, it's eight o'clock. Our house band is here. Mouse plays out. <laughs> Mouse it out. That was perfect. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Eight o'clock on the dot. We'll see everybody next week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, every single Wednesday, showing to your projects. Thanks for making this best half an hour of our week. Every single week, Ask an Engineer starts as soon as I can press all the buttons. See you in a moment. Bye, everybody. <laughs>